Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Why do some of the most kick-ass performers have stage fright? Or perhaps the better question is, what compels people with stage fright to perform in front of a live audience? Jason Shevchuk is a Philadelphia punk scene mainstay and has been in bands like Kid Dynamite, None More Black, and his current project, Former Member. In addition to having intense physical symptoms before playing a show, Jason also lives with social anxiety. Recent studies suggest stage fright is a type of social anxiety rooted in the fear of judgment and rejection. So why do musicians with performance anxiety continue to perform? As cheesy as this sounds, it seems to be in the blood. The need for creative expression beats the phobia. Jason says anxiety hit him later in life. Perhaps his rapid-fire punk youth didn't leave room for social anxiety. According to experts, stage fright can come on suddenly or gradually, and can range from mild to severe. There's one thing I'm sure of. I'm glad Jason's able to play shows and inspire others to manage their own anxieties. There's that full circle of punk rock again. My name is Jason Shevchuk. I am probably best known for being the vocalist for the band Kid Dynamite, and then later None More Black, then LaGrecia, None More Black again, Kid Dynamite again. <laughs> I'm currently doing a project called Former Member, as well as working on a new project with some friends of mine. That's hopefully going to get me back on the stage, hopefully sooner than later. As far as mental health issues, it's really I'm a very anxious person and um, anxiety has always kind of crippled me and self-doubt has always kind of crippled me. I will choose to not do something because of just sheer fear of it just crushing me, which hopefully when the time comes to do, to take the stage again, um, I have the tools that are going to prepare me for, for doing that without having like major stomach issues, shakes, sweats, all that good stuff. What are those tools? Preparation is, I think, the number one tool. Knowing that you're going, you're stepping up there, knowing that everything is where it needs to be. And when you're on stage and you you screw up or you mess up, it's always your nerves, right? Like you have to get those in control. But if you're prepared, that, that kind of stuff can be mitigated. I never really had stage fright up until like, 
probably the when when none more black got back together the second time we put out this is satire then we kind of took like a long break and then in, in 2009 we got back together but the band was so we were we were separated our drummer was in florida you know i was in new york and then back in jersey paul's in new york collins in philly or hawaii so we didn't have that preparation we would get together and practice two days before whatever shows we had lined up and that would be it being on tour is much different because you're playing every day and you're, you're practicing but when you your shows are so few and far between it makes it really hard to confidently take the stage yeah i was wondering about that because you know in kid dynamite you're jumping around and it didn't seem like you had any kind of fright at all you know it was just very in your face but then you're saying later in life this became an issue for you was there any hints at that earlier or was it just boom all of a sudden no you know i think it might be the fact that i just sang in kid dynamite i didn't have a an instrument to play with my hands while i was singing because so many things can really like affect your show like the stage sound how it's what you're hearing whether you can hear your guitar or the drums or hear yourself singing i mean there's been shows where like if the stage sound is crappy or like if you get bummed out, it affects the entire vibe of the show. So I think not having those elements in Kid Dynamite made it easier for me. Have you thought much about the connection between the stage fright and anxiety as a mental health condition? No, no. It comes and goes. Like it's when I actually take the stage after that first song, I'm fine. It's like washes away the adrenaline just kind of overflows and just wipes everything away. Yeah, because there's diagnosis category under anxiety called specific phobias, but it doesn't um, necessarily correlate with stage fright or performance anxiety, as they call it. It's interesting because the definition of a specific phobia is very much, does it incapacitate someone if they're exposed to the thing, whatever that thing is? The stage fright idea is very much compartmentalized to what you're saying okay, it's five minutes before I have to go on stage, go backstage and puke or whatever it is. So you said preparation is huge, but what are the feelings that come up? Can you feel it coming on or do you get sort of blindsided by it? It's, it actually starts like when you're pulling up to the show, there's all this stuff going through your head. Maybe there's some kind of neurotic thing too. Like, am I going to have time to change my strings? Am I going to have space to change my strings? Where are we going to eat? You know, what am I going to eat? I don't want to eat anything too heavy because we're going on in a couple hours. It just slowly builds and builds and builds to the point where I just got, I do my warm ups and then I, I just do it. You said that you're quite an anxious person. How does that look other than the stage fright? I think I suffer from major social anxiety. I typically enjoy being by myself most of the time, doing things by myself. I'll go to a movie, I'll go to a show by myself and not think twice. And I know people do think that that's odd. Who'd you go to the show with? I just went by myself. That's odd. <laughs> and it <laughs> doesn't feel odd to me at all. It's just something that I've always kind of, I just love doing things by myself. Yeah, fair enough. Do you have any yeah. other phobias besides the performance stuff? Is there anything that has the same kind of intense feelings as that does? Nothing more than just, you know, regular anxieties that come through life. You know, I have a family now. and It's just this like, I have to provide, am I going to be able to be the father that I want to be? Am I going to be able to be the, the husband that I want to be and continue to keep doing that? 
continuing to play music while continuing the job that I have because I'm in a very stressful line of work and just trying to fit all that in because the music really, I think, helps me be a better person. Like I'm, I'm much happier when I'm making music. And, you know, with this new band that I'm doing, when I come home from practice, I'm like floored. I can't go to sleep. I'm just, I have so much energy because it's just so good to be in a room with people again playing. So it comes and goes, you know, sometimes I just can't get to sleep at night just because I'm thinking about all of these things. There's always this talk about how punk rock is a phase and you and I both know that's not the case, but yeah, having those feelings come back in swells and in patterns over the years is pretty amazing. I think, uh, you know, you've been in it for a long, long time since you were a kid. And uh, I'm wondering if you have thought about why that is, why you can still be like, I'm middle-aged, I'm almost 50 and punk rock is just as important to me as it was when I first discovered it. Yeah, for me, it's it's all about making making music. I don't know if I fall into the punk rock category these days. I mean, it's not for me to, to say, but my roots are metal and hardcore punk. So I think like, as long as I can keep making the music, I'm always going to be connected to it. If I stop making music, that's sort of my only connection. Maybe I'll go to a show once in a while, but I think the fact that I'm still making music is keeps me attached. I read an interview somewhere where you said, happy songs are boring songs, <laughs> which I thought was <laughs> pretty great. I do still think that. I don't gravitate towards happy songs. I like songs that are angry, and I like songs that are personal. I don't always have to connect with the topic of the song, but if I, can, if I sense that it's coming from an honest place, that's what I love about it. And pop music in general is overly happy, and it's happy because it's happy cells. Does that apply to your own songs as well? Happy songs or boring songs? I don't really have any happy songs. <laughs> yeah, because I was going <laughs> to say, there's so much joy in, in the music as well, the melody, and it's not like harsh and aggressive as much as there's right. a lot of melody. So how do you turn those intense emotions into the joy of it? The music isn't unhappy. The, the guitar parts don't come from an unhappy place. It's mostly the lyrics, right? The melodies, I, I find uplifting melodies to be great. But if you're singing something uplifting, that's when I sort of be like, eh, I'm done, done with this. And that also points back to the idea of therapy. You know, you're working out your emotions, intense emotions in the songs. If you're having internal struggles or things that you want to express, being creative, then maybe singing songs about flowers and bunny rabbits isn't really the way to go. Right. I mean, that, that would be a good experiment, though. Maybe when I'm older and I don't have any more bands, I'll do the bunny rabbit and flower thing, see how it comes out. Yeah, and you've got, you have one child or two? I have two. You can do uh, kids' music for them. Just got to <laughs> get on it, though. <laughs> That's true. Before they get too old. I know you grew up on metal. Um, I also did. I'm actually wearing a Voivod shirt right now. Nice. The idea of coming into the punk scene, gravitating towards that for whatever reason from metal to punk, and it happened to me as well. I mean, I kept my nose in metal all through my life as well, but I definitely had that switch from Metallica Slayer into, okay, here's skate punk, here's these things. Mm -hmm. Here's DRI and Corrosion Conformity and all those bands. Do you think that you gravitated towards the punk scene or did it gravitate towards you? I think I gravitated towards it because I had a bunch of 
friends in high school who were skaters and they were into hardcore. They were also into metal. We were in a bunch of classes together. I said, hey, listen to, listen to this, like Earth Crisis, listen to Inside Out. And that stuff was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And they're like, oh, these guys are straight edge. Well, what's that? These guys are vegan. What's that? You're kind of like taken from this epic, like metal was so epic when I was a kid. It was untouchable. If you wanted to go see these bands, you had to pay some money. They were putting on a show, like a spectacle. But all of a sudden, these bands would come through your area and you'd see them kind of a small little community that is climbing on top of everyone and jumping on stage and sharing the microphone and jumping off the stage. And it was that physicality and the fact that it was so small, small knit, really appealed to me. I really loved just going up and climbing on top of people at city gardens and somebody would recognize me and pass me the mic so I could sing along. That's the coolest feeling when, when that happens. So yeah, definitely. I, I gravitated towards it for sure. Did it calm your anxiety in a noticeable way when you were younger? Did it settle you down? I didn't have a whole lot of anxiety when I was young. I was very, very confident. Everything started happening with my anxiety, like after Kid Dynamite and after, I'd say early Nine More Black. Do you think that you're running so hot that you didn't really have a chance to stop and either address it or even notice that it was there? Or do you think that it just came on and for whatever reason as you grew older? I, I think it just came on. It's possible that it was just there the whole time and I, I just was masking it some way or another. Or you were just so busy, you didn't have time for it. Yeah, maybe. I found this interesting thing on your band camp. It was on the former member band camp. And it was by someone named Anarchist for Prez. <laughs> <laughs> this could go a number of directions, but it goes in a good direction. The person says, it never ceases to amaze me how perfectly Jason Shevchuk manages to capture the tone and inner monologue of an aging punk rocker. Explosive at times, melancholic at other times, everything he touches turns to gold and helps get me through a high-stress job, daily grind, and parenting duties. His songwriting feels like it has grown with me over the past 20-plus years. Thank you for everything, Mr. Shevchuk. So, that was nice. Yeah, totally. And it's interesting because it does parallel your own life in some ways. My songs have always been autobiographical, right? I'm not going to write a new record without that approach. I write what I'm feeling. If I'm going through a particular struggle, I'll say this could be a good topic to write myself out. So I'm not going to approach songwriting from a political standpoint. And I'm not going to really try to go for any low hanging fruit. I don't want to write about punk rock. I don't want to write about hardcore. I write about my life. This just happens to be my life. I'm an aging punk rocker, right? Who has a million more responsibilities than I had when I was in Kid Dynamite. I remember I would just come home from tour and just not have to worry about a thing. My rent's paid, take a couple of days off, go back to my part-time job, and then go back to band practice. That compared to where I'm, what I'm doing now, it's apples and oranges. And a lot of artists talk about how they don't make art for an audience. They're not thinking about the audience when they make the art. They're doing art for themselves. But to know that you have that reach and that effect on people, how does that feel? It's nice. It's nice to, like that comment is the greatest thing I could hear. 
because I'm not going to be the most popular musician. I'm not going to sell out venues. I do have people like that who will keep coming back to hear what I'm doing. Getting back to the stage fright, I'm interested to know, you know, without going into any gory details, but how does that actually look? I've, I've heard of people that, you know, have to throw up backstage or whatever. For me, it was just all stomach issues. Even if I didn't eat anything, drink anything but water, it would just tear me into knots. My stomach would just start churning. And then I would just pace, pace, pace back and forth. I started bringing jump ropes to shows to kind of like release that energy. But like I said, it just, it goes away. Once I face it and get through that first like few minutes, it, it washes away. Did you see other people that were in bands over the years that you toured with or played with that had the same situation of the stage fright? Not that I know of, but I'm sure it was there. I probably wasn't paying attention, to be honest. I'm sure it's very common. Is there any other performance anxiety situations that you've been in, maybe with work and doing presentations, or was it specifically to do with playing in front of a crowd? I typically don't. I'm not a fan of attention. That could be a a huge part of it. I don't want the spotlight. Sometimes I'm put in positions at work where I have to answer. People look lean on me for answers for things. Like I'm not that kind of a leader. You know, I don't have that sort of bravado. So I do kind of clam up in those instances. There is a thread of talking about anxiety in your songs and your lyrics. I noticed especially No More Black stuff. There's a lot of references to anxiety struggles and getting through. Is that something that comes up quite a bit in your in your lyrics, even from back in the day? Or is it just more to do with specific songs? The latter part of my catalog i think is rooted deeply in anxiety the seeds of most of these songs are something that's bothering me or something that i feel like i can't handle or something that makes me angry and that's definitely this the seed to a lot of my topics when you look back on former lyrics you've written, is there a new perspective on some things? Do you see little clues here and there? I know for me, when I was writing a lot of journalism stuff, I've been doing that for a long time, I would go back to stuff before I was diagnosed with bipolar, and I was like, oh, wait a second, the phrase scream therapy has come up in all these reviews over the last 20 years. It's funny, like I, I should, I don't go back often. I should go back and there's probably some songs where I don't even remember the, the root of it, the root of a, of a lyric, the situation that, that I was in in my life where I decided to write that song. I, I would imagine that that would be the case in a few of my lyrics. But I feel like with Kid Dynamite, I mean, we were just, everything was written so fast, especially for the first record. I wrote all those lyrics in like a couple weeks. So I didn't have the span of writing a record. I didn't have that experience like the second record because I wrote lyrics as we wrote the songs. The first record was already written. I just had to write the vocals to the tape that was already previously recorded. So that I think was probably just like, this song's going to be about this. This song's going to be about this. This song's going to be about this. Might've been just me kind of like riffing gibberish while I was trying to come up with melodies or phrasing. Maybe a line of gibberish is something that I can latch on to, or like there's a word in there that 
I might have sung that worked and I, that I reverse engineered the song and, and wrote the lyrics around that. But I'm sure like if I go through the Numb More Black stuff, that's probably where it really starts to develop. Yeah, I like the gibberish idea. <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, I think every band has to do at some point in their practices when they're jamming. It's like, okay, well, let's just yep. let's just like go go wild here and do some gibberish, and then later we'll go back and and add in the, the phrasing yeah. and stuff. That's my that's sort of my always been my technique. I just kind of even now, like I'm in this new band, we have eleven songs, and I don't. I think I have one song written completely. Everything else is still in gibberish form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was trying to get Dan Yemen on the on the podcast at one point. He's obviously very busy and tough to to wrangle. But him being a counselor, and I know that he was you know coming into that a bit later in life. But when you were touring with him, was he the kind of person that would give you some counseling or some some support in that kind of a way, or was it just a bunch of young people on the road and never really interacting in that way? I think we were just a bunch of excited dudes taking that time and. If he noticed something was up, he would ask you if something was up. He would say, hey, what's going on? But there was never any sort of therapeutic aspect to it. The road was beating me up. I was sick a lot of the time. We were just grinding. And there was one time I remember in Canada, uh, in London, at this place called The Office, I was like in a miserable mood. And he actually pulled me aside and he's like, hey, man, let's, you know, I'm all ears. Let's talk through some stuff. That was the one time where I, I probably was just at an all-time low on the road. He was certainly, even for, with songwriting, very patient because that's his field. He was working on his doctorate at the time. Always very patient. If he had an idea, he would always kind of listen and then see if it worked. So, yeah, I mean, a little bit of both there. Do you remember the first time that you felt like punk rock was where you felt like it was filling you up and therapeutic, maybe going to your first show? Early on, I, I would probably say I felt that way. Like the the excitement of finding something new. I, I wonder if younger kids feel that way now when they discover what's going on outside of popular music. Uh, that's the thing is punk and hardcore, is it the same? Is it as small still as it was in the early 90s? Because a lot of bands, it's kind of grown to be a popular thing, a thing that makes money and plays huge venues and festivals. I mean, I'm sure there's smaller sections of the scene that still exist. I don't have that feeling anymore. You know, I had that feeling once when I felt it was small and that I I belonged and I can contribute something. So I think in the beginning, that's probably when I felt the biggest impact was just finding everything. And what has been the replacement for that feeling in your life? Where have you moved from there in order to fill that place of, of belonging? And <laughs> that's, there, there is none. Nothing has replaced it. <laughs> Time to go back. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that? It's tough. I still got to get that excitement back. <laughs> When you get back to playing shows, do you anticipate having the same kinds of performance anxiety as stage fright when you go back? I'm, I imagine so. But I'm ready for it this time. Running over cracks on the ground, jumping courses, 
That was my conversation with Jason Shevchuk, a former member. Formermember.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klahaman Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah.